Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. could go on for five or six hours today, so we're just going to have to break it up into multiple podcast visitings from the Jody Carrington because, like, I want to talk to you about, like, mom, Gil, and postpartum. Like, uh, there's so many things. That yeah. I, we need to have a series. We really need yeah. to have, like, a series. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think I think that, you know, I'm so interested, too, as we sort of start to do more of this stuff up here. People are just desperate for what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think it's just this sort of normalizing that, you know, we can be superheroes and great things and look after other people's children on a daily, but it comes at a cost. Yeah. And when we name it in a way that says, I don't need you to feel sorry for me. I don't need you to, you know, send me all your love and prayers, which is helpful, but I just need you to know that this is how holy this work is. So when you try to hate on me, this right. is what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, do you want me to do good and serve? I will, mm-hmm. but just be gentle in the process. And right. I love that, that, you know, that is, that's the platform. I mean, when I wa- listen to all of the, this is the platform. We're going to get this wrong. We're two white people. Help, help me. We're trying to surround ourselves. A bit. Are we going to get it wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All Every the time. time. Are we going to get parenting wrong? Every single day. Are we going to oh, get right. teaching well, wrong? There's no way all to get the time. it right. <laughs> So anyways, well, we're going to dive right in because, I mean, I feel like some of that should actually be on the show this week. Like I was like, y'all stop talking. This is good stuff. That's the perfect intro to Dr. Jody Carrington. But we are going to go ahead and dive right in because we're working on borrowed time here because hashtag no babysitter, hashtag quarantine, hashtag Mav is napping. So we're going to pray that he naps for for a little while. So this conversation won't be four hours today, but I plan on having a lot of conversations with Dr. Jody Carrington, who is one of my favorite, one of our favorite humans on the entire planet. She is a child psychologist. She is a best-selling author of the book Kids These Days. If you don't have that book, you should definitely get that book. I'm going to go ahead and put the plug in there for that. (laughs) Um, She is a speaker. She does all the things, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Jody, and let you give a proper introduction of yourself because I could talk about you forever, but I'm going to let you tell them um, what you, who you are and what you do. Sure. I, I'm, uh, it is such an honor to be here. You guys, you both of you need to know how uh, much I am inspired by you every day. So thank you for, for creating this platform. It is such an honor. Uh, I am a child psychologist. I don't like kids. Uh, I um, <laughs> I much prefer the people who hold them. And uh, I own three babies of my own. I have twins who are seven and a 10-year-old. And uh, I started a little private practice after working 10 years uh, on a locked psychiatric unit for kids. And uh, I'm so fascinated by trauma and relationship and connection. And that the very fact that it is humans that can bust our souls, we also need humans to heal them. So how do we walk this journey of setting up into these places? Why I serve educators, because they often become some of the most healing relationships on the planet for babies. And we do not look after them nearly enough. So I wrote a book about it called Kids These Days. And now I I speak uh, prior to this COVID around North America talking about this stuff. And I've been on the Get Your Teach On stage twice, which was just virtual stage, which is amazing. And we keep talking about how we can be in the same place because I just can't even imagine the magic 
that we could create. Because so much about this is when you realize your passion, uh, your purpose is to really walk people home through hard things, it is so much easier to get out of bed. It is so much easier to sort of put your foot forward, even in the middle of a global pandemic, even while parenting, even while questioning your worth, even while balancing your own mental health. When I slow it down and remember this, Matt is Sad's bodyguard and the people who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. I can get up again and again and again. So that's that's me. I'm a psychologist who never likes kids, but I love to hang on to the people who love them. Well, we are so excited to have you on the show. And a lot of what you were just saying is exactly what we were talking about. You know, Wade and I share all the time and we've shared, you know, from this platform right here with this podcast that we are two people who are never going to get teaching right. We're never going to get parenting right. We're never going to have it all together. We're never going to have it all figured out. But that is what this community, this very community is all about, is while we don't all have it individually figured out, we can figure it out together. And that is the best part. And, you know, you and I were briefly just talking about just some mental health struggles that I've been through during this quarantine and during this time and things that have been taken from us or things that we're not going to get to do any longer or mistakes that we've made or frustrations that we've had. And man, it is just, it's a season. Yeah, it's, it's a season right now. It's, it's so much. And I mean, I, I love how you always say that, and you joke around with it, that, <laughs> that, that, that you don't enjoy kids. But I mean, obviously you do, but your main focus is the people who take care of them. And our audience right now, they're educators and their parents, and they're going through everything that Hope was just talking about. Hope is not isolated in this. And that's what you guys were just discussing. A lot of people are going through the same thing right now. And feeling um, all the feeling everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, from stress to depression to anxiety to past trauma that resurfaces. To parent guilt, to teacher guilt, right. to being a human guilt to being scared like there's so many feelings that's it, happening it's, right now it's it's nuts and it's it's something i think during this 2020 year that we've all realized that it's okay to kind of name what's happening and it's very important especially if you're a parent and you say this all the time jody we, we've got to take care of ourselves to take care of those babies whether we're in the classroom or at home and so naming what's going on especially during this season is what we have you here for to kind of share with our audience. And that's you, what we're going to talk yeah. about. We haven't even introduced the episode because I, I just know, got so excited to talk to Jody. I was like, let me just hop into conversation. But that's what we're going to talk about today. Is yeah, how, it's just, as parents, how do we name teachers, those things that, to better serve the little ones who have been entrusted to us? Yeah. So I, I love this. So Dan Siegel is one of my favorite uh, psychiatrists on the planet. He says this, you have to name it to tame it. And what I love so much about this is we struggle so significantly with emotional language. We often say we're at the, on the heels of World Mental Health Day. And what I what really bothers me sometimes as a psychologist, I watch people say this all the time, reach out. If you need me, reach out, reach out. I'm here, I'm here. Listen, if they could reach out, if you could reach out, you would. The issue is when I don't have an emotional language, if I were just to say, I'm feeling down, something's off, I'll be fine, it's fine, it's cool, it's fine, no, I'm, I'm good, it's good. If I can say I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling like I'm failing my babies, I feel disappointed, I feel like I should be happy and I'm not, I got a great partner and I have a kid and there's so many people who don't even have what I have, but I just, I, I think people would be better off without me. When you can say that, then people can step up for you. When you do not have an emotional language, listen, highest rate of suicide right now are middle-aged men because they do not have a language to be able to name it to tame it. So how do we do that? We start to notice. We start to say, tell me more. 
we start to say, what am I missing? And I think it's that place of creating community, which you've had in this beautiful get your teach on community to be able to say to educators, let's normalize the fact that you have just for the last eight months, six months, carried the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. You should be tired. It's okay if you want to go to sleep at seven o'clock at night. Look at me. Look at me when I say, if you only knew how many babies are thinking about you tonight, not because of your literacy or numeracy or whether your friggin' lesson plan matches your curriculum, <laughs> but that they saw you, that you said, turn your camera on so I can see your pet goldfish and then you can turn it off my muffin top, right? I do not remember anything that a single K-12 educator taught me. Not one thing. I cannot pull out what a Bunsen burner does. I do not know the, the, the chemical formula, anything on that, that chart of the things. I do not know anything. I got a PhD and I do not know anything about the curricula. But I can tell you the first and last name of every school teacher I had, K-12. to My bus driver's name was Stan Comic. He was a crotchety old son of a bitch. And I went to his funeral. Because I saw him first in the morning and at night from grade three to grade 12. It is about relationships, sweet muffins. And you as educators, this is what you're good at. This is what you're good at. When you're filled up and you remember your why, you're good at, you don't get into teaching because you want to teach about the atoms in the thing. You get into it because either somebody made you feel phenomenal and you wanted to do more of that or somebody missed you and you weren't going to let that happen. Wow. That's why we do this. Work. Man, I'm like, I forgot there was an audience listening. I feel like I'm getting closer and closer. I can actually I know, see I like, Jody on my screen and I'm like getting closer and closer and closer. <laughs> um, but, you know, something that you said was so powerful to me, and I haven't shared a lot about this here on the podcast or really anywhere for that matter, because it is still so fresh and new. But the name it to tame it. You know, I have been I speak on mental health and I talk about my anxiety in front of audiences of thousands of people. And I'm not ashamed to say I struggle with anxiety. But for me during this season, um, something that I just kept telling Wade and telling so many people. I was like, I don't know. This is not anxiety. This I, I, I couldn't name anything. I couldn't name what I was feeling. I had never felt that emotion before. And that was the scariest thing ever for me because I'm like, hold on. I know anxiety comes in different forms, but I know what my anxiety looks like, okay? And I know how it presents itself. And during this season, especially during COVID, I was struggling so much. Every single, like, couldn't get out of bed couldn't put one foot in front of the other, didn't want to shower, didn't want to brush my teeth. I mean, that might be nasty, but that's where, I mean, just regular life functioning skills I no longer had. I felt like my whole life had just been like, like, who am I? Who am I right now? And Wade, what was that like for you? Can yeah, I, I mean, now, sorry, this is my show. Yeah, do it, Wade. Take it, was, <laughs> because I think here's the issue. And I just want to know a little bit about what was that like to watch this powerhouse woman shrink? Tell me what that was like for yeah, you. Yeah, it was it was really hard. I was trying to figure it out, figure out what I could do to help because I know that she's always struggled with anxiety. Hope we we don't shy away from acknowledging that, that we do see a counselor. We mm-hmm. we get counsel therapy, um, and so uh, I was going through some things kind of at the beginning of this, and yeah. then I, it kind of tapered off a little bit, and then it kind of picked up with hope a little bit more. But it just kept getting worse and worse, and I just didn't know how how to help. And it was when I think you really started to dive in, you would have those weekly counseling sessions that naming things was super important. For me, I don't think it's kind of released from me yet. I don't think I've experienced everything that's that's happened to Hope during this season. 
And I think that's very important for our audience to hear too. I mean, it's trauma affects everybody. It just doesn't affect who the, the person that's experiencing it. it. It affects your whole household. And you have to be aware of that. And you have to be able to talk to each other. I'm one of those people who, if Hope knew what was wrong with her, she would tell you what's wrong. That's yeah. Hope. That's Hope yeah. King. For me, uh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. And it's exactly what you said earlier. That's what resonated with me when you said the middle-aged man suicide rate is, I mean, I'm middle-aged and, I, and it's one of those reasons is because if I were to know what was bothering me, I still wouldn't say it. I would say I'm fine. During this season, Hope is pretty much, because she's figured out how much naming it to tame it has helped her. Oh, yeah. And she will force me to say, what's wrong? No, really. What's wrong? And I, I still won't say yeah. I mean, most of the no. time. Sometimes I will. Sometimes I'll say, I'm just mad. I'm just angry. And I'll go out. I'll do my thing. I just need to be alone. I need to, whatever it is. Um, so I think it's, you have to have someone in your life that doesn't really understand how you feel, but they can acknowledge how you feel and, and try to help you in the best ways that they can. So, And th- this is the beautiful thing about it. When you are married to somebody, all you want to do is fix them. And I think this is the part that we don't worry, we don't talk about nearly enough, right? Emotional dysregulation in kids as educators, we're good at. We know that if I'm not really, if I have no skin in the game, I can walk you home all day long. If you're not my baby, right? If you had to come and look at my child and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to lose. You'd be like, come here, Libby, mm-hmm. come here, my love. I would love for her to be in your classroom. Mav's having a bad day. And you'd be like, I swear to Jesus. And I'd be like, Mav, come here, muffin top. That was today <laughs> with me. That was today with me. And sh- I know, because he's probably going to be a psychopathic serial killer. <laughs> like, that is what's happening in your head. Yes. And so, what, because we're so invested. He looks like us, sounds like us, smells like us, does all of those things. And so, we're so invested in that process. When you've been married to somebody, also, this is why affairs happen, see, because we want to feel competent in helping other people through relationships. Mm-hmm. When it's your own spouse, you just, and you said this beautifully, I just didn't know what to do to mm-hmm. fix it. I didn't know what to, I just wanted to get her out of it. I didn't, she is such a powerhouse. She's raising this baby. She forgets how amazing she is. So get up. Mm-hmm. And we want to tell you, and you know, you can't tell anybody. You got to show yeah. them. And that's the hardest part. When I don't have an emotional language, how do I say, baby girl, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. You say things like get up or a sort of, yeah. And then you're mad. You're mad because you are supposed to be able to fix it. Mm -hmm. And that means that I am failing this woman and this baby. And then all the things, you know, Mm -hmm. the cycle happens. And so much about this process for us in education is you pour so much of your life to other people's children. And you feel like a shitty parent when you come home because you serve this community so beautifully. What do I have left at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Right. And All I want to remind everybody who's listening is that the holy work you do in the classroom that you do for everybody else will never, ever be as important as what you do for you. Say that again. Say it again. What you do in the classroom will never be as important as what you do for Mm -hmm. you. You drop those shoulders. You remember that you are holy in this work of serving other people's children, but you're a phenomenal mom, a phenomenal dad. I've never not, I've treated a thousand families in this country and I've never not one time met a bad parent. Not one time, not one time. I've met a lot of people who maybe don't have the skills to serve their children in the way that they need to in a particular moment, but that does not negate the fact that this takes a village. And as an educator, you said, sign me up, sign me up. I got it, I got it. So looking after each other in this process becomes the holiest work. 
Full stop. And gosh, so many things that I just want to talk about. The fact that you just said, you know, that you might not have the skills or that a parent might not have the skills in that moment doesn't mean that you're a failure of a parent. There's so many skills that I feel like, hold on. I mean, today, for example, Maverick has started throwing temper tantrums as a toddler. And I'm like, what the crap? Like, I, you know, as a baby, you stick a bottle in their mouth or a passy. They're hungry. They need a blanket. They need something. And now he's pitching a fit because, you know, we call it pitching a fit down here in the South. I don't know if that's the same thing. And <laughs> In Canada, but down here we call like it, it pitching a fit, okay? And you say uh, pitching. It ain't pitching, okay? It's nothing's proper. Oh, you pitch, pitching right. it. Pitching got, it. We're going to make you Southern. <laughs> Today, he was having this temper tantrum, this meltdown, and, you know, we've started a little bit of, like, this timeout just to get him to recognize, because he was throwing a fit. He didn't want clothes on. And I was like, what? Like, Wade's just sitting there looking at me, and we're like, what do you, what do you, what do, you do? And, you know, <laughs> there's so many times that that happens, though, man, all the time. But it happens in the classroom, too. And you're sitting there, and it's like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. And I feel like that is when the stress starts coming. That is when the guilt starts arriving. That is when the confidence starts to go out the window as a parent, as an educator. And I love what you said. Yeah, you do know how to do it. Here's the issue. If you were, if you two were sitting in my nursery with my baby and they were pitching a fit, what would you do? Yeah. You would walk that baby home, right? I would be in the corner going like, Aaron, (laughs) do skin to skin. Take your shirt off. What do you get some organic apple juice? <laughs> Obviously, we're feeding them too many red dye. I think like we're trying to figure out all the shit we're doing wrong. And really what happens is if you two were in there with my babies, you'd be like, OK, mama, you take a break. Hey, Livy, come here, sweetheart. Do you want look at this? You don't want to wear clothes today. You don't have to look at it. It's OK. And pretty soon he's dressing himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So the deal is, you know. Yeah. You forget when you're dysregulated. You forget just the the very thing you know about babies. You forget when you feel overwhelmed, unacknowledged, unseen, like you're a failure. And when we feel like our partners aren't picking it up, we don't show them how to do better. We tell them, you know, excuse me, you, that is not how we do this with our child. Mm -hmm. Who who are you? Do you even know what you're doing? And then we start to turn on each other and the poor tiny human is like, wow. (laughs) But that is so normal. And here's here's the thing that I want to tell you more than anything. You only need to stay regulated 30% of the time to be able to mm. show your baby how to do it. Oh, mm. you said this. But I, yes, I heard you say this. And I was so hoping you were mm-hmm. going to bring this up today. Because here's the thing. We put so much pressure on ourselves and we don't give ourselves enough grace. If we come from a trauma history ourselves, it's always on our corner. Are we going to make the mm. same mistakes? Did we do enough work so that we're ready to parent this baby? It, when we when we start to things come out of our mouth, we're like, <gasps> I, I said I was never going to talk like that. That's like my mom. Um, oh my Lord, what am I doing? This is awful. We constantly have this and we forget just how amazing we are. So give ourselves grace 70% of the time, which means you are crushing it. I mean, I am watching the Instagram stories and you guys, <laughs> because it's fully representational of how you parent, you, <laughs> the Instagram's so good. That baby is the happiest tiny human <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And his job right now is to get emotionally dysregulated. Uh-huh. So if he's pitching a fit, That man is right in charge. You let him pick. Uh So here's the thing, though, is that, you know, we're talking about this from our, I mean, I feel like this really is, I needed this counseling session today. I'm sure there are plenty (laughs) other parents out there because, listen, a lot of teachers are also parents who are like, I I don't even care what's happening in my classroom right now. My home life's falling apart. My kids are going crazy. I don't know what's going on. But this is also everything that you're saying is so true of the classroom. Like I have heard educators, just like parents right now, every parent wants to quit their job right now. I don't care. Listen, 
If you are a parent and you are not like, what the what the heck did I get myself into? You are a big old liar. Nobody wants to be your friend because you can't be real, okay? Mm-hmm. We're real. <laughs> We're real here in this podcast. But yeah. I have heard so many educators. I'm talking about, I even heard um, my friend Nicholas Froney last night on his Instagram oh, story yeah. saying that he had had over a thousand teachers right. email him, personally email him mm-hmm. after a story that he put out that said, I just really want to quit. I really feel like I can't do this anymore because of the challenges with COVID and the challenges with this pandemic and so many things. But what you're saying about us as parents and what we're experiencing with Maverick in our home is the very same thing that teachers are experiencing right now in the classroom. I'm hearing teachers say, I just, I'm not confident anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not cut out for this. But they are. They are. Oh. It's just that they're experiencing all the things that I'm experiencing and that Wade's been experiencing and that so many of us have been experiencing. Just it, it that, all being new. Yeah. It all being new. new and there's no script. There's no script. Do you know the, the primary ingredients for emotional dysregulation? When it's unclear, there's fear, and there's no end in sight. That is the definition of a pandemic. And so what we're doing in education right now is holding so much emotional dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And you cannot teach, you cannot be effective unless you tend to the emotional dysregulation first. And we're so concerned about curriculum and outcomes. And, you know, did we miss the time because we, (gasps) that we're trying to say, okay, so let's do this more. You got to get more home. We got to get caught up. You got to do these things. We have parents saying, oh my gosh, are my kids going to pass departmentals? Are are they enough? Are they enough? They will not be able to learn anything. You will not be able to teach anything unless you drop your shoulders and know this. You cannot stop kids from learning. Mm -hmm. They are going to do beautiful. Mm -hmm. And one of the most beautiful things we're teaching them right now is how to handle a hard season. This is a global experience. When they walk away from looking to you to say, I got this. Oh, my God, we had fun. She laughed. He laughed. I heard a staff that were having fun in the staff room. I want to come to that school. I don't want to, I'm excited to be there today. What do we get to do today? My, um, my twins is grade two teacher sent them all in plaid. And he's a big fan of wearing the plaid shirt because we're in Canada. And so they all got on the Buffalo plaid. It's, it's picture day in grade two. Buffalo plaid. And they all got on the Buffalo plaid. I don't know how he managed this, but Olivia had to pull out a dress with a velvet top from Christmas in 97. And she's got this dress on, it's too small, but it got Buffalo plaid. Now, those kids are not going to remember anything other than the fact that this teacher was a rock star. Mm-hmm. And when you drop your shoulders and know that you got everything you need to bring to these babies today, today, without another single lesson plan, they will learn from you. I think that, full stop. I mean, it's so, that is so powerful and things that I think every human, every educator for certain, every parent needs to hear right now. And, you know, I mean, it's just remembering that we are equipped to do this work. We can do this work. But, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation where we talked about naming it, detainment, it, and, you know, the fact that as educators, we get like you said, we put everybody else before ourselves and we don't create space for ourselves to be able to name the emotions that we're feeling. And I just want to say this to kind of conclude the story that we kind of started at the beginning where during this pandemic, I was struggling so severely. But I just want to say, when you create space for yourself for just a minute and you say, you know what, I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent today. It's not about me being a parent today. It's not about me being an educator today. It's not about me getting my exercise in today. It's about me listening, stop, stopping and taking time to listen to my body and listen to what I'm feeling and try to make some sense out of it because I've never struggled with depression. I've never, you know, been diagnosed with depression. I've never had any thoughts of the past or regrets. 
but that is the very thing that I was feeling, but I had never had those emotions before. But I just want to say, because we are talking about naming emotions, I mean, the second, and I know it might sound crazy, and I know it's not like this for every human, and I know that everybody has their own story of mental health. But for me personally, the second that I was able to say, I am depressed, I promise you it was in that moment that my healing began. Now, I'm not saying that all of a sudden I was like, whoa, not depressed anymore. This is great. I feel like the best mom. No, that took a long journey. I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks of therapy and medication and all the things that I had to do to take care of myself. But I was never willing to even take medication because I said, I don't need to be medicated for something that is not happening. But the minute that I named it, I was able to start my journey towards healing. Oh, my goodness. Listen, girl. Come on. Come on. I think that that is so powerful because here's the deal. We can't tell people how to do things. We got to show yeah. them. And when you can be vulnerable and say, you know, I, when Wade and I was, were on my live and he started talking about his early experiences, I mean, you could see the community that was watching him go, okay, okay. I hear it. I see it. Me, me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is representation matters. How many times have yeah. we talked about this? Yeah representation matters. And so when we talk about BLM or Indigenous Lives Matter or all of this process, this is what I'm learning as a white privileged woman is representation matters. That's one of the biggest, biggest experiences out of this process for me to date. And when I think about that from a mental health perspective, representation matters. And when you are a successful mama, a successful dad who has said, I struggle with anxiety, depression, worthiness, you, okay, if that, if that's how it is, Okay, this is what I need to do too. This is what I understand it to be true too, right? And I think that that vulnerability is so, it's necessary, yeah. right? It's that gateway to being able to say, okay, now what's next for yeah. me, right? Because I think there's so many ways home through this process and it's not, a, you don't arrive. Who wants to sit and act like you have your life all together? Like that's no fun anyways, to sit and act like you, <laughs> that is way too much pressure. Like I, ugh, I just can't, that's one thing that we've talked so much about is I'm like, if I can't show up to my community and be who I truly am, I don't want to be a part of that community. I don't want to have them. I'm like, if I cannot show up and just be who I am, yeah. why be a part of that? But what do you say for educators who are at that place right now? And they're, they're feeling lack of confidence. They're feeling like, I don't even know why I'm in this profession. I don't know if I want to continue this. This might be the very year that I walk out of this journey. What do you say to educators who are feeling those emotions so heavily on a day-to-day basis? Like I see teachers coming home and they're posting on stories that they're crying and they just can't wait till the weekend. And I'm like, hold on a second. Like we, we've got to kind of reframe this or, you know, not necessarily reframe it, but identify it to be able to move on and to find kind of, I had to find myself again. Like that was my biggest thing is I needed to find myself again. Um, So what do you say to educators who are experiencing that? You know, what's so interesting is that our primary response to that will want to be don't quit. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is we want to fix, but here's the response that needs to happen. I see you. Mm. This looks exhausting. Mm -hmm and overwhelming, and you're questioning whether you chose the wrong profession, what's the hardest part? Tell me more. What are people missing? And we get so scared to sink into that emotion because we're scared we're gonna spiral it out of control. Mm -hmm. We're scared we're gonna make it worse. We're scared we're gonna condone, Mm -hmm. right? Here's the problem. We wanna Mary Poppins the ever living Jesus out of everything. Yeah, that's a fact, that's a fact. It's good, okay? We love teaching. Oh, uh, teaching is a work of the heart. I love ch- shut up. It is it is exhausting it is. and you 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 have to deal with lice and people telling you to f off and you it is not a 
It is hard yes, it and is. it sucks the ever loving soul out of you, yes, which makes you even more holy. And I think part of the deal about this process is really leaning into those not trying to fix moments. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I call it holding space. Yes. I don't know if I do, but many people do holding space. And how do you not try to fix at the very, can I I'm going to read you a quote that I keep by my desk from my Lord and Savior, Brene Brown. (laughs) Leaders must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to fears and feelings or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. If you want me to change this for parents, I will. Parents must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to fears and feelings, dewining, Pitch and fitting, yes, or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. When we try to push kids to the top of the circle too quick, you're fine. Boys, don't cry. Shake it off. You're good. I miss that beautiful space of naming it. And unless I give you a language, unless I identify, when people say to you, it's depression, boom, you drop it. If I'm in therapy, giving some, we're in a therapeutic session and I can name the feeling, it just feels like you're a failure, but... I watch this go, the things in the prefrontal cortex click in and they're like, yes. Mm -hmm. And then we can examine it. Okay. So maybe you are a failure. Do you think you, what about this? What about this? Tell me more. I'm not a failure. That was the one incident. I didn't do well because I didn't have dad because I was trying to do my best because, oh my God, that's not switch rise. Do you understand? So that's the that's where we lead, attending to fears and feelings becomes some of the most important work, particularly as leaders in education. We think about this uh, in the U.S. This is very similar to Canada. The majority of our senior leaders in ed, in education are men. Mm-hmm. Guess who has less of an emotional language, genetically gen- speaking, men. <laughs> men. And not because, because historically sexism is alive and well. And even if I were to look at a baby girl and a baby boy today, I treat you very differently. Mm-hmm. I, I, I coddle you more. I tend to your, your, your boo-boos more if you're a girl. Mm-hmm. I coach minor hockey. I am much more inclined if you're a little girl to take you to the bench, get you some water. If you're a boy, I often say this, come on, mm-hmm. you're tough. Yep. Huh? Mm-hmm. To this day, despite the fact that I'm very aware of this, we are perpetuating gender norms which means then we get our young boys in situations and in marriages where they say, I can't tell you how I'm feeling. Why? Because we didn't give you the opportunity. Mm -hmm. We did not name it. So part of the most important thing that we do is be very careful around pushing people to the top of the circle too quickly. Yeah, you're good. You're fine. Brush it off, right? Is there a time to get back in the saddle? Absolutely. Not before you hold space first. Wow. I mean, I have to, I know you, I'm sure you want to say something, but I mean, just fine. so much of this is so real for me right now. And I was just going to brag on you actually. Oh, yeah. Go ahead then. Yeah. It's fine. I was just going to talk about you, <laughs> you know, it's so true because like you said, you know, Wade has seen me as his wife and for the majority of the time I am motivated. I am, you know, I am strong. I am strong willed. I am stubborn. Like I don't let things get me down. I let emotions roll off my shoulders. Like he knows I'm a very strong woman. And I get up, like I said, get up and exercise is my thing, like especially when I'm feeling bad. And when I was going through all of this, he actually, this is not even something we made public because we were afraid people would pass judgment on us. (laughs) But he actually, here it is, everybody, for the world, pass pass away. I was so severely struggling. And he said he planned a trip for just me and him to Disney World. 
It's my favorite place. Disney had just opened. And we went there, and it was just the two of us. And, you know, he could have easily done what you said. And come on, Hope, you're a strong woman. Like, you've got, you've got, we have work to do. We had projects. We had commitments to people. We had this Hollis U course that we were prepared to be filming for eight hours straight. And I could not even walk eight feet, like, much less film for. And so he could have easily said, we, We've got this, we got this course. We've got to play. You've got to get focused. Like, if you just get focused and you get busy in your work, you're going to forget everything. Or if you just get up and you exercise, you're going to forget everything. But he didn't do that. We were at lunch one day and I I swear I'll remember this lunch probably for the rest of my life. And he looked at me and he said, Hope, I think you're depressed. I didn't even name it myself. He named it for me. But when I tell you the feeling of relief that I had right then in that very moment. And so what you're saying is so true of our kids, of our friends, of our spouses, of any relationship that we have in our school building. Like you said, we want to be fixers. And so the easiest way to fix something is to say, come on, you got this. No, come on, be an overcomer. Like you've got mm-hmm. choose joy, right? And I'm a firm believer in choosing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But there is a time and a space for that. Mm-hmm. And Wade gave me the time and space to be able to say, no, no, you're not okay. You're depressed. And we've got to hold space for this so that we can solve this so that you can eventually get back. And I'm telling you, he would not let me work for, I didn't even work for a straight five weeks. He would not allow me to do any work. It was um, it was a lot. I, yeah. I did my best Hope King Instagram things for, <laughs> for Get Your Teach On and plan, plan that back to school oh, conference. And I mean, I wasn't even was, gone to my mom's <laughs> for a week. So I wasn't even here. As you should, right? And I think that's part of the issue as strong women. We don't often talk about this, but can I just talk about Wade again for just a second? Because I don't think you know how amazing you are, sir. He doesn't. Because, you know, when I've talked a little bit about, we've talked just a little bit about your history, what it means to start from here and go to here versus what it means from start to here and go to here. You are the epitome of what it means to sink into hard things to find people and corrective experiences who can remind you you're amazing. And so that you, when you say to me, the triggers are everywhere in this time of like falling apart and this new dad thing, and am I going to mess this up? Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. And when you name it to tame it, this little boy is going to be a rock star. You broke a cycle in one generation. Do you know how hard that is? That does not happen. It does not happen without hard work. You are amazing. I appreciate it. I mean, that means a lot, especially coming from you because uh, you're, you're the expert. And, and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we look up to you. But it's I, I, going back to just what you were talking about, about managing instead of holding that space, I think it's very important. And I also mm-hmm. think that individuals, they, they go through experiences during life to, and we hear this all the time, to, to help other people who may just be entering those experiences, totally. whether they're good or bad. And I think that's pretty much what's happened here in this situation. I mean, I, I knew what depression looked like because I've, I had experienced it before. I knew what her anxiety looked like because I had seen her go through that. And I was like, this isn't her typical anxiety that, that's happening right yeah. now. And we, yeah. as spouses, as friends, as colleagues, who we if you're not going through it, you need to make sure that you're being aware of what's going on around you to help those people who, who are going through it. During this, I mean, COVID happened for a reason. And I think that we're learning what this looks like to take care of each other and walk each other home to better help these kids, but then also making sure that we're taking care of ourselves in certain situations and how important that actually is. I mean, 
I don't know if we would have met you, Jody, if it wasn't for this season. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this would have even been possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you live, you live yeah. in Canada. I mean, we had a virtual yeah. conference, so that helps <laughs> to connect each other. But yeah. it's 100 percent. And I, you know, I talk to my husband about this all the time, right? Like, it's like you need those moments to help you sink into what really matters, because what are we doing this all for? Right. What what are we doing this all for at the end of the day? Right. It is to to raise our group of tiny humans, of people who are in our immediate uh, cohort to be phenomenal. That's all I got control over. That's all I need to show up for. And if I say something about that, that it, that on this this platform that resonates with somebody, then amen, you take it, you go. Am I going to get it wrong? Absolutely. Am I going to miss it? Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't like it, that's OK. That's okay. I'm doing the best I can for the people that I love. And they're going to be amazing human beings. They're going to mess up. They're going to do all those things. But I say to Aaron all the time, what are we doing this for? Because we get so caught up sometimes and right, is this enough? Should we be doing this more? What about this project? Oh my God, what, what's going on in the bank account? We got to, oh, mm-hmm. something happens tomorrow and we lose it all. We get, somebody gets sick. Something happens. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Nuh-uh. If we can sink into right now what we have accomplished, where we are at, why the blessings have unfolded, including this damn COVID, I often say I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for it. I I do not know my kids as well ever before than I do during these last eight months. I my I love my husband. I mean, I he's fine and everything, but up till now. I have never appreciated him as much as I have now. Now, it can go either way when you step into hard things. And if you don't have a language to talk about the the times where you want to throat punch each other or you want to be like, not today, my friend. (laughs) that becomes really critical, right? Because, you know, th- there's John Gottman, who is like the most the most brilliant marital researcher on the planet, 45 years of marital research. He says this, it's not about the couples who make it and the couples who don't. It's not about how much you fight. It's your capacity to repair. And if you don't have an emotional language to repair, it does this. Mm-hmm. Hmm? And it, it, it conflict is a part of any relationship that matters. If we stay together much longer, we will disagree on things. Right. If we if we come together and and have a meet, well, I'll be like, you know what? I don't know about this. What do you think about that? Then I know we're getting somewhere. Right. How we resolve that, how I say, come to the table, tell me more. What am I missing? What's the hardest part? Clearest kind, right? That's the magic that creates a successful team. That's the magic that uh, creates a successful educational team, excavating the unsaid. Something doesn't feel right here today, fellas. Let's all sit down. Come on. What am I missing? Right? When you are brave enough to have those conversations in a marriage with your children, with your team, they are healthy and unbreakable, even with the COVID or financial distress or health issues. It's it's a gift and we're not born with it. You have to be surrounded by people who are better at it than you are again and again and again and again. Yeah, and I was going to say that is great advice for, yes, your spouse. Wade and I have talked a lot about that during this this quarantine, um, but also your team. You know, like you were talking about parents working with kids, when you're working with kids in your classroom, that same conversation to have with parents, with friends. I mean, just solid life, just life practices and life advice and just opening up an opportunity, you know, just to be able to have those conversations. So listen, like I said, I could literally sit here and we could probably talk for the rest of the night up until the morning hours. So this is not the last that you're going to hear from Dr. Jody Carrington and all God's people in our audience said amen, because yes. I know they're going to be excited Golly. to hear that because we just always take so much from you. But I am going to turn it over to you. Any final piece of wisdom that you want to impart or thing, something that you want to share um, just with this audience before before we wrap up this episode. You know, it's really interesting. As you were asking me that question, I was like, okay, 
give it to me. What, what do we need to know today? And the thing that really comes up for me is this word brave. And it has always been in this season for me in so many things that, you know, uh, we've walked through recently in our family. The definition of brave is doing something with your whole heart when you can't predict the outcome. And it's not brave if you know how it's going to end. And I cannot think of a braver profession during a braver time than we need you now. And you you can't predict the outcome. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know if we're going to go virtual. I don't know if people are going to get sick. I don't know if all of these things are going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to say something on this platform someday that's going to hurt people or that's going to be, I don't know. But unless I'm all in, I will never know my full potential. So I want you to jump all in. Is If you're listening to this as an educator, just know my hope for you is that in June you say this was this 2020, 2021 uh, school year was the best I have ever done. I cannot believe the lessons I learned and the lessons that it taught me. And I feel like I now know my purpose. That was That's my wish for every one of your listeners is that they make this the most incredible time, the most incredible trip around the sun because they're they're doing holy And work. I love that you brought attention to when we say be brave, it doesn't mean, oh, just ignore your feelings, ignore your emotions, ignore yeah. what is. It just is an opportunity to explore what we're going through right now, the unknown, unpredictability of it, and say, I've got this. I can do this. And put one foot in front of the yeah. other. That's bravery. I I've mean, needed, that's, and that's I've, what educators are doing. I've needed a new tattoo, so I'm just going to get the <laughs> definition of brave right here. Thanks, it's Jody. Fine. Jody said it. I can get it, so I'm going tomorrow. Um, where, where can people find out more about you, yes. Jody? And I, you have a conference coming up, right, in the new year as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm um, drjodycarrington.com and I'm in the Instagram and the Facebook and all of those things. But I, we do a little conference, one called Relate in August for teachers and then one called Stay Lit for teachers and community. Because what's really interesting to me is that we're all just walking each other home. Yep. So we have some really, really great speakers. You, George Kuros. We have a, this phenomenal Shelly Moore up here in Canada who talks a lot about inclusivity, diversity. Uh, and we're just going to spend the whole day. And Jesse Thistle, who's this indigenous leader who's written a book called From the Ashes. And we just get together for a day and hold some space for some amazing humans. So we take them all, particularly parents and particularly anybody who knows a kid. You know what I mean? That's like everybody, you know, right? That's, that's, yeah, that's you're basically everybody. everybody. Let's go. No, seriously, just thank you so much. Yes, I I needed this today. So I know that there are so many other teachers, parents alike that are out there that needed this very same conversation. So thank you always for being willing to come mm-hmm. and share and just share your stories and being vulnerable yourself, like you said, because that's not always easy. We're just so excited because I literally... I want to do a one-on-one with you. And Wake can join, too, because I think it's important. But about... I mean, it was today a one-on-one? I mean, basically. Pretty much. You know. That's fine. I'm I, here. So I just... I'm I didn't get to talk people. with... Listen, you Wade was get, on Jody's last Live time. Right. last time, and I didn't that's, get to be there. True. So this was just me catching up. Yeah. Um, but I would love to talk, talk about... A lot of our listeners have asked for um, talking about postpartum. Mm-hmm. They really have. And what it looks like. To, to venture into motherhood and what that mom guilt looks like with trying to be mm-hmm. a teacher as well. So I would love to invite you back um, to have that conversation because I know you have a lot to share about that as well. But thank you so much for being a part of this episode of the new EDU podcast. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Again, if this is a conversation that you like and you feel like others could benefit, share it out. Tag myself, Hey Hope King, tag Wade, Hey Way King, tag Jody, Dr. Jody Carrington. And like she said, you can find her on social media and she gives a wealth of information right. and just again makes you realize how how normal all of these feelings are which is a benefit to me so until then we will see you on the next episode of the new edu have a wonderful week everybody 
The New EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller, with production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The New EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.